This is Sending Signals, a show about music and creativity. I'm your host, Matt Royal. Welcome to the show. Our guests this week, Lynette Tayeb and Norwegian musician Sjur Lyset, the brains behind one of my favourite releases of the year, an EP by a band called Flight Mode. Lynette Tayeb is an Israeli singer-songwriter who shot to fame around the age of 19 when she won the first series of A Star Is Born, the Israeli version of Pop Idol. As you can imagine, she was not prepared for what came next. Nanette claims that for the next few years, well-wishers would show up at her parents' house on a daily basis. She became a celebrity fixation with all the baggage and speculation that comes along with that. Her debut album, Barefoot, went platinum in a single day. But she felt that she wasn't being authentic and worked on finding her own identity as an artist. The transition wasn't easy. When she previewed material from her forthcoming second album at the televised Arab Festival, the reaction was brutal, and she found herself getting heckled from an agitated crowd. Undeterred, she has continued to forge her own path, carving out a continued career in music, and twice winning MTV's Favourite Israeli Artist Award. Her third album, Sympathetic Nervous System, saw her work with producer Mike Crossy, known for his work with Arctic Monkeys for 1975 and Wolf Alice. Her most recent album, 2017's Paper Parachute, which you'll hear some clips from during our interview, has distinct shades of PJ Harvey and the noisy grunge Ninette loved as a teenager. Ninette is a frequent collaborator with Stephen Wilson. I think I first heard her on his Hand Cannot Erase album, but it was her featured vocal on Stephen's song Pariah which really made me sit up and take notice. There's a version of them performing together at the Albert Hall which continues to blow my mind. Although she doesn't self-identify as an actor, Ninette has various acting credits to her name, starring in a TV series based on her own life, and more recently the Netflix series, When Heroes Fly. Fun fact, she's the singing voice for Mary Poppins in the Hebrew dub of that movie. She apparently doesn't often give interviews these days. In fact, she seems determined only to do what she wants to do, so I was thrilled that she was willing to talk to me for the show. Our conversation is deep at times, but it feels honest. I felt an unexpected kinship with Nanette, and I hope you enjoy it. That's it. Okay. Okay. I've got you. <laughs> We're on. <laughs> How are you? I'm well, thanks. Nice to meet you. You too, man. Thank you. Are you living in Israel permanently now or are you just back for a while? No. Yeah, I'm back for work and I'm here for the last I'm here for so long. And then I'm I'm back to LA uh on the December. Oh, okay. Yeah. What's it like being back? Because you've been in LA for a few years, haven't you? Yeah, for uh, four years now. But I'm, I'm like, I'm back and forth right. to Israel for work and, you know, and life and everything. But uh, it's 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 been uh, hectic. <laughs> yes, what can I say? So are you based in Tel Aviv when you're in Israel? Yes. Yeah. Is it crazy hot there at the moment or is it okay? Oh my goodness you have no idea <laughs> it's hell it's like you cannot go outside without 
you, you cannot breathe actually it's so weird i just came back from a, a session that i had and i'm like i'm trying to talk with my friend outside and i'm like like i can't talk it's so hot it's so hot yeah oh man <laughs> it was interesting because i am um, I, I was obviously researching like stuff stuff that you'd done and places you'd played and the first episode i ever did of a podcast had adam do it from counting crows and Colin Blunstone from the Zombies, and like oh. you've got you've got connections to both those because you did the Outlaw Road show, which exactly was that at Adam's apartment because I saw a video and it looked like it was at his apartment. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. And then I was really exactly. su- I was really surprised you did a tour with the Zombies as well. They're really nice guys. Um, They're really nice. Yeah, we were. I mean, I was so fortunate to be their opening act for. Um, for you know a few shows and it was like just right before the corona the the covid right and it was pretty amazing i have to say because you know it's like a different audience and like different places in the world and we had like this uh, very very specific sound and arrangement for this uh show and it was really really fun for us i mean i wanted to ask you how did you how did you i mean I'm so honored for for you to to reach out. Seriously, I'm like I told Joseph, this is so cool. Yeah, of course I'm gonna do it. Let's. But I was wondering, how did you? Uh, it's through Stephen, or honestly, Stephen's. Yeah, it was yeah. through Pariah. Yeah. From Pariah. Okay. So I think okay. I think I must have watched because I'm not I'm not massively familiar with Stephen's work. So I think I saw. Yeah. I think I saw Porcupine Tree supporting dream theater like back in the maybe 20 years ago or something 90s? <laughs> yes. it was slight it was slightly later than that but i knew i knew porcupine tree in the 90s because my english my high school english teacher liked them and so oh. um he kind of recommended them and so i knew some porcupine tree stuff in the 90s when i was like a teenager and then i think i saw them live supporting dream theater and then i've sort of i've like dabbled and i think i had i've got like hand cannot erase and so I'm sort of, and obviously he does a lot of, he's associated with Marillion. I'm a big Marillion fan and things. And so yeah, for some reason, yeah. the Albert Hall version of Pariah must have come up on my YouTube, um, like recommendations. And I watched it and I remember like, I probably wasn't in a great frame of mind. One of the first times <laughs> I remember like, I remember bursting into tears. Oh my God. Watching it. It was, it was one of the, I don't know if it was the first time I saw it or the second time, but I was so overwhelmed by it. Wow! Uh, and yeah, I mean, what does that what does that song do for you? Like, when did you when did you first hear it? Did he send you like a demo of it, or did you go yes. to the studio he, and? No, he 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 sent me a, a demo, and he said that. I mean, we were we were working together for a while now, Stephen and I, and. Um, and we started with uh, routine. Yeah. From uh, hand cannot erase. I, I I'm sure you heard it, and and then we were touring together for a long time, and it was really fun. I love him. I love him so much. He's he's a really he's a really he's an amazing musician and a good friend. And then uh, throughout the tour, he was like, you know, Ninette, I have to write a song, a duet for both of us, and I'm gonna do it. I'm like, okay, dude, sure. I mean, I'm here. Just tell me when and where, and I'll be there. And then a few years later, he sent me Pariah. Yeah. 
And he said that when he wrote it, he was thinking uh, of me singing this song. And I'm like, this is an amazing song. I just, I can't wait. And then I flew to London and we recorded it. And that's what you you hear at the record, in the record. That's what you see. By the way, we were shooting the video inside the the studio, the recording studio. It was really, it was an amazing experience. And then I flew back to LA. I'm, I came especially for, for this recording. And um, yeah, it was, it was really beautiful. The version I'm, I'm most familiar with is the Albert Hall version. And I guess you, you've done quite a lot of touring with Stephen. Was, does that show stick in your head for any reason? Or was it, did it just feel like another show on, on the tour? Stephen has a very interesting way of showing me uh, courtesy because the, the first show that I was performing, I mean, with his music, uh, I was a guest. It was at the Royal Albert Hall. It was the first time I, I, I did routine with Stephen. Yeah. It was like a big mess. I was I was shaking. I was I freaked out like for real. I'm like, Stephen, I don't know if I can do this. It's it's so huge. It's so big for me. I mean and then I remember that I came um on stage and then the minute I started singing, the audience just like it was like it was like standing ovation. Like the minute I started, it was so overwhelming for me. I mean, and then Stephen, it, it it became like our house kind of a uh, place to have shows. Yeah, because that was the first time. And then when we shooted uh, Pariah, it was the third time I think. Right, we were there. Yeah, yeah, and for me, yeah, it's an amazing experience because you know it's it's it's. It's such a historical um, spot, and for me to be there, it, it was really, it was really amazing. Because that moment where you sort of crescendo into that part and yeah. the, the kind of the sort of post rock, Sigurossi <laughs> yeah. kind of huge like that's it's so it's so overwhelming. Sigurossi, <laughs> thank you. Is that are you? Do you reach a point where you're so confident that your voice can do that? that you don't worry about it <laughs> or are you building up to that moment thinking am I going to hit this well can I tell you a secret I'm scared to death every time really for real yeah I'm like because you know it's live obviously and uh and I'm like doing my vocal warm-up and everything but it's so scary because I mean I trust myself but I'm so scared I'm so scared I'm like what is what is it going to be like this time am I going to reach that the high note am I going to but it's more than that it's like a feeling it's like a bursting uh, you know energy from the inside that I have to be so um it's not focused it's it's uh connected yeah. So I'm like 100% connected every time. And if I'm not connected, you can hear it. Right. Well, you, you yeah. I reckon you can hear it. I'm not convinced that other people but can hear it. But the other, <laughs> really? I don't know. <laughs> yeah, probably it's in my head. But yeah, I mean, um, it's every time it's, it's really scary. Every time. Where are you at? Is the follow-up to Paper Parachute done? Because it feels like it's been a, a while. It's been a while. I was just talking to uh, Joseph about this, like right before I called you. I'm like, dude, listen to me. This album, because I have I have the album ready yeah. already, the next one. And I'm like, 
I have to release this album now. I don't care about anything. I don't care about a label. I don't care about anything. I have to release these songs now. And then I called you. So I need to hear his answer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but it's going to happen uh, probably the beginning of next year. Yeah. Do you think you're going are you going to yeah. go the self-release route, do you think? I um I don't know. I mean, it's going to happen either way. Um, I just know that I'm not waiting anymore. That's it. Yeah. I'm just going for it. It's, a, it's yeah. a, I guess it's a trade-off, isn't it? Because if you if you self-release and sell direct, you can you can harness your fan base and potentially earn earn more directly from that. So you can you can make you can make more per record, can't you? If you self-release. However, without the well, mechanics of the label. It's whether there's you can you can promote it enough to get it out there, so it's like this weird yeah. trade-off. But then even if you get a label, do they are they going to put the money into promoting it? And are you just going to have yeah? Are you just going to have much less return for the same result? And it, it must be a really difficult. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm I I, I haven't decided yet because. I mean, I haven't decided what what will be best for for me to do this because, on on one hand, I I really want this album to reach as much as 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 you know as many people as I because we were working uh, on this album for so long and I feel like I have so much to say and to give, and I don't want it to you know to drown in the sea of uh, a lot of musicians that are trying to make it out there. Um, and on the other hand, I'm like, maybe I do need a label. Maybe I do need that that kind of help for, you know, just to, to spread it out. And I don't even care about the money, you know. I just want to, I just want to, I just want the songs to be out there and for people to be able to feel and to, you know, just be on tour. And I have so many dreams. Um, but it's going to happen. It's a weird thing when you're like driven to make art regardless of whether you have an audience or not and like I, exactly. know, I mean I so I put out an album in January just self release no label I've got next to no money to promote it and so it is just it is a tree falling in a forest it is literally but then so what oh my god so, I can't believe you said that so then you think what what is what is the point but then you can't but then you can't you're still I'm already working on like more music but so like what but why why do I do it what is the point but I guess you, you're just you, you if you're built that way you are aren't you you know you're entering a very very specific route <laughs> right now in my brain mm. because the other day I was I was writing to my fans uh here in Israel and uh, abroad that I'm I'm thankful for them not 
to letting me be that tree, that right. fallen tree. Yeah, wow. that's why I'm, I'm like, whoa, oh my God, you just said that. Scary. Um, you know what? <sighs> I mean, for me, I cannot do anything else. I, I just, I can't. I mean, I'm, I'm just continuing doing my art and writing and singing. And I know eventually it's going gonna, it's gonna to pay off, but it's not that I'm saying, okay, I have no audience. I, have no, I do have, but I want more. I want more. I want a lot more. <laughs> of course <laughs> I think you can hear it yeah I, I'm interested how much your association with Stephen actually benefits you have you noticed a tangible increase in your audience's yes. work it does it, it does make a difference does it because yes. sometimes I feel like even like support acts you know who play huge shows you know I mean I've seen bands support you two at Wembley Stadium who are practically unknown so it the, the things that you think if i if i could just do this if i could just reach this it would make all this difference but it doesn't guarantee that because it doesn't guarantee that and i and i and i i'm, I'm going to tell you more i think that that should not be the goal of your of your work yeah. you know i mean that's what i believe i believe i mean obviously i do want to reach like a, a larger audience and I, I want my music to have meaning you know but it's not that I'm saying I just need to, to be with the, the these guys or I just need to uh, to be their opening act or no it's like it's 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 um it's a long journey you know it's like it's like step by step it's like it's not just it's not that I have a goal to be a rock and roll star you know and it's not the right I think it's not the right um, path for me. I mean, uh, I'm, I've been working for a long time now and I'm like, I'm doing it step by step and I, I can feel the difference. And I, I know that the audience that I'm getting that are like the music that are, the music that, I'm, that I do, that I write, um, reaches the exact, uh, you know, the, the right people, the right hearts, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. It's not like that I want a massive success and I've had it in Israel and it's not something that I'm looking for. Um, to be honest, I just want to be on stage and play the songs and sing. That's what I want to do Yeah. for the rest of my life and making records. Because you've got a new single out. Yeah. Which doesn't does not sound like the follow-up to Paper Parachute. Oh, you're what you're talking about? Which one? Because I tried tried to translate the lyrics because it's in is in Hebrew. It's it seems to be about dancing. <laughs> yes. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a, that's a that's a um, new Hebrew one. Yeah, it's uh, more of a, yeah. It was a, it was a tryout. I mean, it's a friend of mine. Mm -hmm. It was a, a um, like. Um, um, I forgot the word. Um, collaboration. Woo! So it was a collaboration between me and my friend, and we were trying like you know new stuff. Yeah. And this came out. Yeah, I, I like it. I mean, it's not it's not my route exactly. I I'm not sure I'm gonna do another song that sounds like that. But um, it was it was fun. It was like electronic kind of uh, beat. I mean, I do love electronic music, but it's not what I'm trying to say. Yeah. Yeah. I wondered how much you see a difference between projects like that and like a more personal 
record whether, whether it is all music to you or whether you do see oh, wow. it whether you do see like a distinction between perhaps trying something because it, it feels like that single feels like a, an attempt to sort of reach a commercial audience perhaps in Israel and there must be you must also be thinking well I still need to like I do need to I do need money to survive and I do need to like I have this facet of my audience which would which would like this or would like that must that no, must not, be part not, of it I'm not thinking I'm not thinking I'm not thinking like that at all when I when I do when I create when when I release a song or it's not that I'm saying okay I have to be more commercial now no I don't I'm doing what I feel at the moment and obviously the the album my next album my new album um it's gonna sound really different. I mean, from from this specific song. Yeah. It's gonna be guitar oriented, and and um, I don't know. I'm just listening to my heart and what my heart says, and and I just I feel the music from the inside. You know, I'm not trying to be something that I'm not, or trying to to satisfy others, people, opinion, or you know, I've never I've never done this, because then I'm like I'm losing my my artistic truth you know yeah that's what i believe we'll come back to that in a minute i want to go back because you, you, were, <laughs> okay. you were born so you were born october 83 weren't you october 21st yeah 1983 yeah oh 83 yeah because yeah. i was born yeah. so i was born august 83 oh, so so you're, you're my age yeah we're a couple basically. Of, august when i was august 30th 83 yeah yeah, I, I was surprised. Yeah, we're, we're kind of same age. And I wondered how you felt about kind of that, like our generation. And we sort, we sort of went, we grew up, went to school kind of pre-internet. Yeah, But then exactly. we've hit, we've hit adulthood. Yeah. In the internet age. <laughs> and there's this weird, I feel like we, we, we straddle these two worlds. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It kind of mess, messes with my mind. Also, I mean, I'm, I'm more of a analog girl, right. you know, yeah. I'm like, I mean, the internet and the, it took me a while. It took me a while to, to just like stay connected. I actually, my Instagram page was not active for a whole year. I was like, I, I hate this thing. It's like, no, I, I can't. And it was not not active for like a long time, and then people, uh, I don't know, they thought I'm dead or something. Yeah. Um, but that's the thing that if you're not connected, you you're like almost not exist. But it's not true, you know. And b because we were, we are, uh, you know, this generation. I mean, we've had the um, going downstairs and play with our friends, and instead of like, you know dwelling on the internet and stuff like that and we had the the cassettes and we had the cds and now we have spotify and apple music and it's so weird it's still weird to me yeah it's like i feel like i've lived i've lived through two vinyl generations already so I exactly I, exactly i'd too. record because i was a, i got obsessed with music like when i was sort of you know like four or whatever so like yeah uh, you can see the the wall behind you is it your uh, oh there's your... cds there yeah it's like a room divider and yeah. this is amazing so um yeah so i collect i had a record collection as a as a young kid i was buying pink floyd albums from like 
boot sales when I was sort of seven, eight years old, you know, and and then it's kind of I'm collecting records again. I, I've kind of, but like I'm only in some ways I feel quite young, and I feel like I am part of the internet generation, and I, I, you yes. know, I, I like music streaming, and I like having access to, you know, art and connecting with things and, and all that. Yeah. Like I see the benefits of it, and and I use it, but then also with a sort of younger people I'm like I actually come from a generation of yeah video cassettes and like there's there's this weird I'm kind of I feel both old and young at at the same time yes exactly me too me too and I I think we're fortunate because we've had this era of you know of the the CDs and the, the 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 cassettes and everything and now we're living in a and 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 this era and it's like okay we can feel this and we can feel this and we're not young but we're not old you know it's like we're kind of in, in the middle <laughs> what were you listening to as a kid or like sort of early teens into teens grunge grunge music yeah yeah, yeah. it was a lot of nirvana and pearl jam and uh all, all that guys so it, it was uh and also Janice and uh pink floyd i actually discovered when when i it was a late discovery i was 20. yeah i guess grunge for me came i wasn't really into grunge i got massively into pearl jam more kind of when like late teens i sort of discovered yeah. pearl jam and got yeah seriously into and what that. about and what about uh nirvana so i, like I guess yeah i liked i liked they never connected with me in the same way that they did for for others i sort of liked them superficially I think I connected more to to Pearl Jam, maybe because yeah. there was a bigger catalogue, and particularly as they went yeah, on, that they they, ex, they got to experiment. I mean, if Nirvana, if Kurt had lived, I mean, Kurt was into King Crimson and all sorts of odd stuff. They, yeah, they yeah, would have yeah. they yeah. would have made some radical albums, but I oh, guess yeah. but I guess Pearl Jam got to like they kind of became more of a classic rock band, and they're more. You, yeah. you almost think we're more alongside like Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers or something now. They're almost yeah. like a sort of rock institution, the sort of edginess. Is sort yeah. of <laughs> um, so for me, because growing up in Britain, so I was like a, a teenager, like Britpop was happening. So like in the 90s, it was more Oasis. Like Blur and yeah, it was Oasis. Oasis, yeah, Blur, course, Pulp, Suede, all that of kind of course. stuff was, was everywhere. And that was hard to avoid. I think grunge felt like more of an American yeah thing. yeah 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 so yeah it's so it's it's so beautiful i mean you grew up in britain and it's it's i mean it's so different and uh led zeppelin because i'm like i have this this thing where i uh i investigate like you know the the culture the, the where the music came from and how it was developed and uh also led zeppelin of course it's like yeah. it's like probably my favorite band of all time yeah um and then they they did uh they moved to america i mean they did the whole circle um i'm i'm just like i'm watching a lot of like documentary you know it's like it's very interesting and for me i grew up in israel such a small 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 uh country and you know we're like influenced by the you know middle eastern sound and actually you can hear it in my I think in Paper Parachute you can you can hear it quite quite a bit. Um, oh, definitely. You know the Middle Eastern, yeah, yeah, the Middle Eastern thing. Particularly on songs like um, Superstar has a real yes. Middle Eastern hook. Yeah. 
yeah. <laughs> you, there's a there's a cover version of um I think it's a bonus track of She's Lost Control by Joy Division, yeah. which is mad because yeah. it's almost like you. Wait, heard... what did you think about it? It I was, I was really. It's it's mad. It's because, really radical <laughs> because it's got this it's got this Middle Eastern scowl, but yeah. it's it's kind of it was there all along. It's like you you it's like you heard it in like Hooky's bass part. And wow. have like augmented it. You, it's almost, it's a fit. <laughs> like you've not changed it that much. <laughs> Did you hear this sort of Middle Eastern melody in there that you felt I can sort of augment that and bring it out? Or did you feel totally, like... Totally, totally, yeah. totally. That's the thing with music. You can hear, I mean, the, the, the core, the base of this song is actually, I mean, I can hear it in like the way we produced it. Joseph uh, produced it. Obviously, it was actually for uh, it was the scoring for a TV series, and right. then we decided to put it to put it on the record. And Joy Division is one of my favorite bands of all times. Yeah, it was like a period of you know it, it's it's my dark my darkest moments. Um, <laughs> when I was a, a teen, I was listening like I had a car. And I was driving and I was listening. All I can hear in my car was Joy Division. It was like, it was really dark, yeah. dark times. Um, but yeah, she, she Lost Control is one of my favorite songs. And then we decided to go for it and just like kick the, you know, just to, to, to I mean, you can hear it inside the, the, the melody and the structure. Yeah. And then we decided to just go for it and do it. Do you know if have any of them heard it? Do you know? Has Hooky heard it or I don't think so. I don't think so. <laughs> I wish. I wish. I mean I'm scared. I I'm not sure I want them to hear. But uh yeah. <laughs> I don't know. What I think is crazy about your story is that because you like won the first series at this talent show. Yeah. There there was not there was not a formula for that. No. Yeah. Yeah. So where exactly. where was now like with hindsight now there's been how many series? You can you you maybe know going in what what is going to happen afterwards, how quickly it's likely to burn out or you can make yeah, you can make very very different. You can make decisions going in or you can prepare yourself for certain things but I guess you had no idea there wasn't a path yet for what was going to happen and exactly. then the decisions you would have to make after that like Harry Styles did not exist yet there wasn't an you know I mean? there wasn't an example yeah. of someone that went through that world and then was able to carve yeah. out their own yeah. identity successfully I mean it's, it took a long time but like um, yeah, and and also I think even even now like genre lines have just collapsed, and I think pop music is more like rock music, and rock music is getting more like pop music, and yeah, you're getting yeah. you're getting, I don't know what I think about it. It's weird. You're getting like Taylor Swift collaborating with a national, and that doesn't seem weird. You know, you just kind of that that feels normal now. Exactly. There's there's something beautiful about it, but there's also something weird. You know, I mean. When I went to this talent show, I, I was I was 19 and I was so, just like I told you earlier, I just wanted to sing. I didn't care about like being famous or I just wanted to sing and I'm singing ever since I'm eight. And I knew that that's what I'm going to do when I'm when I'm grown up. 
Like I knew that that's that's what I'm gonna be. I'm gonna be a singer. I'm gonna write my own songs. But this show, oh my goodness, oh my goodness. Yeah. Yeah, my life. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure you you've read, you've heard, you know. <laughs> you don't have to sort of say what you've said a lot a lot of times before, but just yeah, that 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 particular aspect of it that there wasn't there wasn't much. I mean, I guess there's been TV talent shows in. But this culture of talent shows is like a, yeah. is a new thing, and yeah, there there just wasn't a roadmap. And I guess you're not going in thinking, oh, this is going to be the first album of my career and my catalogue of work. You just want to sing. I didn't know anything. Yeah, I just I wanted to 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 be on stage and to sing, and and it took me actually three years after the show to release my first album because I wasn't sure what I'm going to do and who I'm going to work with. And actually, I was working with Aviv, um, yeah. Stephen's uh, partner for uh, Blackfield. And um, it was, it was, I knew nothing. I mean, I know nothing today as well, but I do know much <laughs> from, you know, the past 18 years. Yeah, it's, it's like, my story is crazy because it's... Uh, such a long and and complicated story because I was I was basically going against everything that was successful if I might say I feel like I feel like you might hate this question but I, I really want to ask it it's okay you you've talked I, I think you've talked a lot about sort of having made that first album off the back of a talent show and not being it not really being you and yeah. it not really feeling true to yourself. And so you, you, you did this sort of radical reinvention. But I wonder just yeah. this idea of when we, when we make art in general, are we not like, are we not always kind of self editing in order to present the version of ourselves that we want people to see? And we, we imagine ourselves, I could put myself into this context. That'd be exciting. But is that really you? Because you're still, you're, because you're, even if you're not like that bothered about an audience, you've still got, you're still aware that this is going to be heard or I've, you've, you've got to contextualize yourself somehow. Yeah. And I wonder if you ever think about that aspect of like, oh yeah, that wasn't me, but I'm going to, I'm going to do this. And because this is how I want to And that's going to be, yeah, I, I understand your question. I mean, we're always self-editing, of course, but but we need to know. I mean, I think that we need to know what is the core of our feelings in order for us to be able to edit it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, I mean, you're editing not because you're trying to be someone else, because you're trying to be more accurate that's that's how i work i mean i don't i'm not trying to you know to cut my edges or to to fit in in some kind of a a, a mold like you know i i'm not trying to be something that i'm not that's what i'm saying yeah so if i'm editing something it's just for me to be more and more accurate with myself and with what i want to say yeah that's it because I think yeah. you can get into the trap, like when you look at an artist from an outside point of view, and I, I've certainly done this, that 
if they if they make rock music or, or play guitar, then they're being they're being like sincere. And if they make pop music, it's kind of artifice and fake. And that that isn't necessarily true. You know, you you've had there's, of there's been manufactured rock bands or people. It's not really what they want to do. And you've got of you can have not. you can have pop artists that are totally sincere and are like putting their their, their soul into it. And like that, I totally agree. And I think sometimes it takes, um, yeah, it takes a while to sort of realize that and a, a, appreciate that. Listen, for people, I mean, rock and pop, I mean, for people to, it's like they label things just for them to, to make it easier for them, yeah. you know, but it doesn't mean that it's, it's the truth. I mean, all kinds of genres and music is just like I said earlier, it's like pop or electronic or rock or I am, when I work on my music, I am trying to be as, as, as much as, as, you know, uh, loyal to what I want to say. And I can be very happy and cheerful and poppy and, you know, and I can be down and dark and, you know, we're human beings and it's okay. And, and, and that's, I mean, for me to have this platform of like making music and, and be the voice of someone's darkest soul, it's amazing. And, you know, I, I get these letters from like, from fans, people that actually like, you know, go into my lyrics and, and I get like really radical, uh, you know, comments in a good way, in a good way. And for me to have these comments, it's like, Okay, I'm doing something right, you know, like when you touch someone's heart, yeah, with with your art. So I think it's everything. Let me ask you this then is there ever a, a conflict between sort of wanting yeah your art to represent you and your core and yeah trying to express yourself but then <laughs> recognizing that 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 opens you up for, for scrutiny and that makes you more vulnerable it, there's this kind of yeah. we, we sort of want we want to reveal ourselves but also we don't want to reveal ourselves there's, there's sometimes this, yes. there's this push and Paul, is, is that something that you like have wrestled with or think about? Um, I used to. I used to think about it. I used to think about, okay, now I'm writing this and I'm releasing this song and then I'm going to get like reactions from people that are going to think that I'm like this or like this. And But eventually, I mean, for me, it's everything that I feel inside. And the people I collaborate with, they, they know it already, like, you know, by working with me, 
they're like okay nina now is like she she feels it there's nothing we can do i mean you know i just really my only law like my only rule that i have is that it has to be 100% authentic you know what i mean even if it's too um exposed or or i just have to feel it's 100% me yeah that's the only rule other than that people can say whatever they want it's okay it's one thing though doing that in the like at the creation stage do you ever then regret it when you when you go on tour and you have to put yourself through that every night with 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 certain songs that you've i don't know like pushed yourself into a, or you've exploited a dark like a dark place yeah yeah it's, is that then tough on tour to like have to relive that yeah because you you relive that every every time you you sing this song you know but it's always i mean it's very different because it's really related to the the state you're in this specific moment that you're on stage you know and then you have another perspective yeah. and sometimes it's actually really it's 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 really cool um process creative process where you write a song and this song is is a specific moment in time but then when you sing it like after a year or five years you're in a different place and then you can see it from a different angle and that's very interesting you have perspective on it yeah exactly like when you listen to a cd like when you listen to a album when you were young and then you're coming back now when you're older you you suddenly hear different things so time is a wonderful thing it's like it doesn't really exist but it's it has a perspective you know what i mean <laughs> It sounds weird, but it's the truth. The the song title "Self Destructive Mind," like obviously yeah. jump, jumps out, seeing it written down. And I think because I've um, I've got I struggle with obsessive compulsive disorder, which I've oh had, really yeah, which I've had since I was a kid. And so um, yeah, this this idea that yeah, your own brain is sort of your your own worst enemy is exactly. Is an intriguing concept so you must be feeling really connected to this song because that's that's what the song is about how how much of that was that born out of a particular situation in a time in your life or was it more yeah like an ongoing thing you were struggling with it's an ongoing thing i'm struggling with ever since i i'm you know a little girl uh it's like the 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 mind the brain it's like it's it's like non-stop um i know i think you know exactly what i'm yeah. talking about it's like it's never it's a never-ending story it's like i wrote it in a specific time where i was in la and i left israel and it, it was like a trigger for me um this constant thoughts like over and over and over again and i'm like i'm i'm dealing with all kinds of like you know the voices in my head and and this song is the the about exactly this the the the, the self-destructive mind that like you are doing everything to yourself because not because you want to because you cannot control it 
I mean, I've been working, I've been doing my meditations and stuff like that, just like trying to just like make it quiet, you know, um, it's working from time to time, but there are periods of times that I'm like, okay, I can't and I'm okay. It's, it's okay. So self-destructive mind is talking about this like war between me and myself. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's scary stuff. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I think you can feel it from the song. It's actually one of my uh, my favorite songs. I mean that I've that I've written, and every time I sing it, it's according to your previous question. Every time I sing this song, I'm connecting to the moment that I wrote it. Yeah, and that's I I think that's the only song that I'm that I have that is doing this for me. I mean, all the rest, I'm like, I'm singing the song from like this point of view in my life. And it's like, I can see things differently. But this one, self-destructive mind, every time I'm like starting to play the riff on the guitar, I'm like entering this like moment in time, the moment I wrote it. And I feel exactly what I felt when I wrote this song. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I, I relive it like every time i think what really sucks about it is sometimes this feeling <laughs> that sometimes this feeling that because because then it like impacts your life and maybe put certain restrictions on what you can do and what you can handle and then you kind of think oh if i didn't if i wasn't struggling with this then i'd have to push myself to do that and then you worry about doing that and then you feel like you don't want to get better and then you feel guilty oh my for not god wanting you to get circle. better yes, and then and then you yes, are fir- you are totally in the circle then yeah <laughs> you're i i can i understand everything you're saying okay i'm like i'm i'm experiencing experiencing <laughs> the circle with you right now okay this is this is scary it's like i feel it i know exactly what you're talking about obviously there's a lyric in ocean which i think is really funny and i don't know if you intend it to be funny so our love will never will never 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 end never 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 end (laughs) but if it will reminds me of god only knows a beach boys song you know because you on the surface you think well this is this is the most beautiful poignant profound love song to someone but it starts with i may not always love you <laughs> <laughs> yes 
<laughs> oh my god, I can't believe you were you were detailing this this line. Why? This is because it's a very special line, you know. Our love will never, 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 <laughs> but if it will, you know. So this is like the whole. Um, it's the essence of this this order. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like yeah, this line is like the essence of what's happening in your brain while you're thinking and while you're feeling. And I mean, I'm saying something and I'm so sure, but then minute after it's like, but, but if it will, you know what I mean? <laughs> so we have this, but if it will in every process and every subject and every, in everything in our lives. That's what I feel. you're reluctant to call yourself an actress because you only pick sort of specific roles for yourself why why would that mean you're not an actress because um that's a good question i mean i i I feel like i i am i don't have the right to call myself an actress because I don't think I've done this much mm. in this field. And I don't think, I mean, there are people that that's their, that's their job. That's their life. That's what they do. It's like I'm when where I'm doing music, I can call myself a musician. I can call myself a singer I, because that's what I do. That's the core of the things, the, the, the every, my life, but actress, for me to have this title, I need to work really hard. You know what I mean? I, I feel like I didn't earn it. That's why I'm not calling myself an actress. And that's why the things that I choose, I mean, when I do it, it's like 100%, obviously. I'm very, very committed. Commi- like, I feel like this commitment to do it, like, I cannot do anything else. But it's not something I do, like, daily you know what i mean is that how you'd feel about- how do you know i said that by the way you read it yeah i must have seen i must have seen <laughs> i read some other interviews yeah so you must have yeah. said it's someone else is that how you'd feel about someone else though what do you mean well if if someone else like if you had a friend that was yeah had done what you'd done yeah. and they said i don't i don't really feel i can call myself an actress would you would you go yeah i think you're right yeah would you <laughs> i don't I, yes. I don't believe that i i swear i don't believe that i swear let me give you an example okay <laughs> <Go on in. laughs> you want to, you want me to give yeah, you an yeah, example yeah. yeah i do yeah okay so a friend of mine he's a musician mm-hmm. okay and uh he was getting uh an offer to play this role, like he has nothing to do with music. It's like acting. Yeah. 
And he's like, yeah, okay, I want to do the audition. I want to, I want to go for it. I'm like, I'm like, really, seriously, you want to do it? I mean, yeah, why not? I'm going to, I'm going to take some time and I'm going to invest in the audition. And then I'm like, yeah, but you're not an actor. You are not, you're not living this world of, you know, I've done some things, but I'm, and I'm still not calling myself an actress. And I told him, it's not something you can do like that. You know, it's something that you have to put a lot of effort, your heart, your soul, your brain and spirit and mind inside for you to do this thing and, and to like even try. Listen, I am taking things very, very seriously. You know, I mean, I cannot do something that is like, yeah, whatever, let's do it. No, that's why I pick the projects. I'm like, okay, this is a, this is a serious story to tell. I can I, I mean, I ask myself, am I, am I able to even tell the story? That's the first question I ask myself. I mean, can I tell the story? Would it be different if someone else will, you know, it's like, just like we talked earlier, my mind is like racing and I'm have all these kinds of routes inside my brain and wires that are connected and then fired and hired. (laughs) I called it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but to be, to be honest, I, whatever I said to myself, I'm saying to my friends and to other people, (laughs) I have to. Wow. But you don't believe me. I do. If you don't believe me, well, I've explained it already, and it's your problem, baby. You cite, you cite <laughs> an example, and I will take that as, I think that's fair enough. Thank you for doing this. Thank you, Matt. It was wonderful talking to you. If you're enjoying the show, why not subscribe? Please also check out the growing back catalogue of episodes. You can hear interviews with the Zombies and Adam Dewitt's of Counting Crows, artists that were mentioned in my interview with Nanette, as well as members of Genesis, Marillion, The Police, The Birds, and loads more. You can find me on Twitter at Signals Podcast and on Instagram at Sending Signals Podcast. Thanks for your support. One of my favourite releases of the year, if not the favourite, is the debut EP by Flight Mode, a project led by the Norwegian musician Sjur Lyset. I've probably pronounced that wrong, I apologise. The EP is called TX98, or Texas 98, and you'll hear how it was inspired by a student exchange year spent in Texas. We discuss truth versus fiction in songwriting, the pros and cons of nostalgia, and the future plans of a band. You'll hear some clips from the EP too. Make sure you go and check out the EP. It's currently only available digitally, but it's pretty widely available. Enjoy. Hey. Hey, what's up? How are you? I'm good. How are you? Yeah, I'm okay. How was your holiday? It was good. I've just been traveling around Norway a little bit, yeah. uh, which is pretty much the only possibility right now. But yeah. I didn't want to do like the stressful thing of trying to travel elsewhere. So just Bergen, Trondheim, and uh, taking my kids to see parts of the country where they haven't been before. So that was nice. So you, how long have you lived in Oslo? For almost 20 years. Yeah. I grew up just outside of Oslo, so I guess pretty much my whole life. Yeah. Like also, with, uh, I, I, I was a suburban kid, so. Yeah. I've only been to Oslo once for about four nights because um, I went to see Springsteen play at the 
Telenor. Yeah, yeah. And um, that yeah. couldn't have been too long ago because they built that like ten years back. Yeah, it was um, Wrecking Ball tour. So yeah, it's probably I don't know eight years ago or something. Yeah. But I remember the first night we were there, we were staying quite near the um, the Opera House. Yeah. We were staying just across the water from the Opera House. There's like almost like a new estate that was being built there. It was almost like these these sort of new apartments and things. Yeah, they developed that area a lot during the past. I'm I'm sure it looks really different right now because they built the Opera House first and they they've been doing that whole like waterfront development thing. Yeah, so we were staying sort of on the waterfront development and I think the first night we were there we, we went to the Opera House and they had this event on the roof of the yeah. Opera House. It was sort of like this experimental sort of avant-garde band playing, but then they had interpretive dancers. Yeah. And there was sort of like shadows being cast and it was one of the most remarkable things I've ever seen. You know, yeah. and it, it was it was such a it was such an amazing night. Um Yeah, that opera house was like I was uh, really skeptical when they built it because I I thought it was this like uh really uh um you know for for opera going people and not for the people but that the the roof of the the opera house has been really successful because because that's where a lot of people hang out and like a lot of people they they actually been doing a lot of cool stuff up there how did you end up in texas just by accident i signed up for the program like being an exchange student and i think i wanted to go they they let you sort of pick your favorite states yeah but the, there was no guarantee of and they called me like i think was my i wasn't that stressed out but i think my mom was really stressed out because i didn't get placed before like a couple of weeks before i was supposed to leave yeah and then they just called me and said that we found a family for you in texas and do you want to take it or leave it and i was like yeah sure that's fine so you go there, what, for like a year and stay with the family? Yeah, that's the concept. Yeah, it's, it's it's a high school year. So it's like foreign exchange like you would do in university. It's just in high school instead. So is there like someone your age also living in the house or are you just moving in with someone else's parents? Like, how, how does that work? There was in my case, yeah. Yeah. Uh, there are a lot of like professional sort of exchange student families that have students every year and uh doesn't really matter if they have uh, people in the house but in this case it was very much the wish of the daughter in the house that was my age to have an exchange student so um they only had me as an exchange student never again and never before right and so then you're thrown into this like the way you describe it on the Bandcamp page is almost like you're, yeah, you're suddenly thrown into this kind of, kind of alt rock scene in Texas, and you're like going to see house shows and yeah, skateboard. Like, was that? Were you a big music fan already? Like, did you have the equivalent where you were, or was it just something? Was it a world that just suddenly opened up when you got there? No, I think I had some of like those sensibilities from before that and uh, like I was I'd, I'd been skateboarding for a little bit and like the punk rock scene was kind of a thing I think after 94 you know like uh, with 
Green Day, Dookie, and yeah. all of that. I wasn't that much into it, but I was like, I I sort of knew that that was the direction I was going. So it was kind of a natural thing to me to get drawn to that. But I think just the daughter and the family was also very much into the those same things and had like there was a there was that skateboarding thing and also the the punk rock thing, but also a political. Uh, sort of sensibility that came along with that. So you describe bands like Braid and the Get Up Kids yeah. as being important. I'm not familiar with that stuff. What I do have is I've got the um, the Promise Ring album. Yeah. Which the, fir- the first, the first one, one. Yeah. Yeah. Which I which I really like. I wasn't I wasn't at all familiar with that scene. Like I didn't know what emo music was at all before I moved to Texas. Yeah, but that yeah. was like it sort of transitioned from uh, my preferences for pop punk and stuff. Yeah, and that was also a transition that had happened for a lot of people there at that time. And I think it's like I can't really remember when those like seminal records, the Midwestern emo records, are from. Isn't that from around like ninety seven, ninety eight? I think the first Promise Ring album must be yeah that that kind of um, ninety October ninety seven that came out yeah so that was like a year before I went there okay also the local scene was like there's this uh, band called Race Car Riot that's also mentioned in one of the lyrics oh okay they sort of release a split with um, Appleseed Cast and uh, Planes Mistaken for Stars I think okay but the bass player in that band was a friend of mine. Yeah, living in uh, in the same suburb, so they played a lot with those bands, and it was like really small house shows. And yeah, yeah. So the stuff I know is like I've got that Promise Ring album. And I know I like Jimmy Eat World a lot, and I like American Football and some of that. Yeah, and and I guess the the EP, which we'll, we'll get onto in a minute, but I guess yeah, that for me it feels closer to sort of some of the alt rock stuff I like than necessarily what I've heard of the emo stuff I hear you know Death Cab for Cutie kind of that sort of direction American football a little bit kind of those are sort of but again you, I guess you, you get from things what you what you take to it so your your reference your own reference points of what you apply aren't they when, when, when you hear something yeah that but that makes sense though those are that's sort of the direction I went into as well yeah um, and I haven't really been listening to that sort of like that third wave emo stuff or second wave or whatever, like yeah. the, the around 2010, I didn't really listen to that at all. So it's like all those, it was just my way into, uh, and I've, I've had an extremely eclectic sort of taste after that. So I haven't really, I don't really know like all the history of the genre at all. It, it's just very much tied to that year for me, I guess.
on the sort of press release on the, the Bandcamp page, you talk about the EP as being this kind of quest for nostalgia. And it is, it's, yeah. weird, it's, it's weird how... It feels to me when I was younger, I viewed nostalgia as a really nice word. Like this, yeah. this, this warm thing to feel nostalgic about something. Like, But it suddenly, I feel like now it's used as like sort of a negative thing if a band does a reunion tour it's like oh it's just about nostalgia as if yeah, as, yeah, as yeah. if as if that has no value or as if that is a and like there is a danger in like living in the past and thinking that the past is always better than the present you know that's not that's not a good way to live your life you know that's that's dangerous mm. but but equally i i don't understand why this idea of nostalgia in its place has, has sort of almost become a negative word. Yeah, I agree. But it, but I have a very uh, difficult relationship with the word and the, yeah. the, the concept itself. Because there's also something like reactionary about nostalgia sometimes. So like, and that, that thing where like everything used to be better. Yeah. And I, 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 I kind of strive to to separate myself from that, I guess. Yeah, of course. But then equally, what you, you could argue, what is the point in creating any kind of memories if they're not going to be of use to you yeah. in, in the future? You know, what? Why? why experience anything? Because if if those things aren't aren't gonna yeah if it's surely creating memories has a value mm. and it enriches your life and it makes you who and like that's that's an important part of life and it doesn't it doesn't mean that you're not focused on on now but yeah you could you you could equally argue what's the point in doing anything because well once it's a memory it won't matter <laughs> yeah but i think the problem with nostalgia and the word nostalgia is it's, it's like tied up to this idea that the past is like something that's perfect yeah and uh because your memories are so selective yes they're selected like the nostalgic lens is always like just a photograph of something that's you know how you look at photographs from just last summer and everything looks so romantic in a way and then you but then you realize when the memory is so close that those are just pictures and it wasn't like that yeah but when you think about uh stuff that happened 20 years ago you tend to get really caught up in the positives of the situation oh yeah not necessarily you know and also the linearity of of your memory is like you you tend to think that things go from a to b in your memory whereas like uh layers yeah. The human experience is always a lot more fragmented than that, I think. Yeah. And that's also something I thought about a lot when I wrote these songs, I think. So talking about the EP then, because for all for all your reservations about nostalgia, it seems like you decided to dive in and try and kind of relive that year you had when you were 16, almost. Yeah, in a way, but then again, I also realized that I am a character in those songs, you know, yeah. like, or I am the character 
And I always try to write for my characters, like create a character. And there's a lot of like, uh, even though some of the things in those songs are true memories for me, mm-hmm. it's not like I can construct everything else around that memory. So it's not like every detail in in a song is necessarily what happened. Like I have the the the, the license to lie. Yeah. And even though it's about me and it's about that year, I still, as a songwriter and as a writer, I have the license to lie as much as I want. Yes. Yeah, exactly. And it's so interesting because I sometimes I find if, if I write songs, sometimes there'll be, there'll maybe be a couple of lines which are fairly clear on what I'm feeling or trying to convey. But you you realize that you can you can hide that in a load of other stuff and <laughs> and, and and that's fine because it's a song and you don't yeah. you don't have to be able to explain every line if you say i'm i'm just writing from my own experiences you have to be able to justify that to all the people that you write about right yeah but if it's like i'm where my view is like well it's based on my experiences like every everything you write will be based on your experiences but there's also the concept of like everyone being characters in a way and some people are some characters there are several people so i don't really need to justify that to anyone like if someone comes up to me and says that didn't happen well it happened in the story and it happened in the song it doesn't necessarily mean that it happened in real life and that's also like the, the the fallibility of memory you don't really have to like relate to that <laughs> yeah 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 for sure because yeah our memories are, are nowhere near as accurate as we like to think they are it's just a scary thing yeah it's like the the clint eastwood thing with the cigarette pack it's like this myth from um clint eastwood is uh, on some talk show and he gets asked a question like uh, how cool are you really and he just like twitches a cigarette from his uh, from his pocket into his mouth, and that's <laughs> his reply. And this is like a story that a lot of people retell yeah. as something they've seen. Yeah, yeah. But it never actually happened. Yeah. And I was convinced that I had seen that. Yeah. And I think a lot of people are convinced they've seen that, and they retell it as something that happened at one point, but it's a false memory. Yeah, I, I've, I think I've read equivalent stuff. And I think that also in writing something nostalgic, I, I, I'm i very much aware of that fact, that my memory is not perfect at all. So I might as well just make up a story that's kind of based on my memory. And there's also this, um, this theory, isn't there, that when we remember something, we're remembering the last time we remembered it, as opposed to the source event which yeah which kind of means essentially like memories it's almost like memories are getting photocopied yeah that's true <laughs> each time the photocopy of a photocopy of a photocopy sort of yeah i don't know how much you're willing to share but are there are there particular experiences from that year that you were trying to explore in these songs were there, were there like certain things that that happened that you you felt that that's got to go in somewhere i don't know i think the the sort of um there's sort of a conceptual centerpiece 
for the EP, that's probably fossil fuel. Probably me writing to someone uh, that's back home. Yeah, uh, and I think all of my lyrics are always, or at least my best lyrics, are always like relational. There, it's I'm writing to someone, and that someone is not necessarily one person or yeah, a, a true person, but it's someone I constructed that. Uh, but yeah. That's sort of the concept for fossil fuel, but I think uh, animals is probably the the one the one song that's uh, rooted in a concrete memory, I guess. Uh, like someone standing in an airport and someone leaving, mm. and but it's also uh, and it's it's most definitely something that happened to me, but it's also from someone else's perspective. Like I tried to right from her perspective not from mine yeah so it's like a song written from her to me in a way but based on your memory of being in the other position based yeah on yeah 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 based on my memory of yeah how i thought she reacted at the time <laughs> <laughs> i just i just want to make clear if i haven't already i really love this ep it is my favorite release of the year and thank you so much man. i have played Thanks. it so much and i've gone out like late at night sort of midnight and listened to it walking around and i just it like it moves me so much you know why though oh man i guess it's one of those things where i feel like subjectively it would be hard to explain why because like not being funny it's it's a fairly low-fi indie rock guitar record yeah it's, it's 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 nothing it's nothing it's nothing groundbreaking i couldn't write an essay on like how intelligent this album is and how you've merged you know this this concept with this and you've created samples based on there's like academically i would struggle to explain mm. what is so special about it you know whereas yeah. you know whereas perhaps you know if Bjork makes an album that you really like. There may be all sorts of you could describe. Oh, she's done. You know, this time she's taken you know these small sounds and made them big, and she's layered up these things, and she's taken this concept and expanded it into. And like you've maybe got this na academic narrative that you can create to explain why this record might be special. This EP is a is a guitar band playing, you know, which yeah. which has been done a lot, but there is something. There is something about the feeling it gives me inside. It just it it it, it taps into 
so sometimes you hear something that just represents a feeling that you have inside and you can't you can't articulate that or, or explain it but there's something in the sound of the guitars um in the energy of it the, the it's got that kind of i like drums that sound real you know i like yeah. that sort of i like um you know how like the flaming lips soft bulletin like sometimes you could you could argue that that's like maybe too over top but like i remember hearing race for the prize like on headphones in a shop when i was young and that drum sound just feeling like oh there's a drum kit in the room and you're hearing someone play a kit and and it just feels it feels real and there's there's something about the interplay of the guitars the kind of warm kind of big sound and it's tinged with this sadness and melancholy but it's joyous and the close like the closing section of a last song go yeah where it, it kind of kicks back in and you've got these weird like are they, are they like are they are you playing harmonics is that yeah what, are you playing harmonics like overtones yeah it's got these like harmonics playing over it and that just repeated line of where did you where i call that the sweet child of mine part <laughs> <laughs> but, but you um that that lyric of like where did you go repeated and it's got that it's got that harmony that kicks yeah. in that just it's it's so it's so emotional And it's it's just it's the height of like emotional intensity and just this it's such a simple thing to say like where did you go, but this yeah. this idea of like addressing absence, in in just the most kind of primal, clear yet non-specific way. Yeah, um, back... maybe it's the absence of myself as well, right? In a way, you know. But the, I I appreciate this a lot. Uh, that means a lot to me. And it's like, it's interesting because I was particularly trying to escape my own intellectualism in a way. Like I tend to intellectualize stuff a lot, music a lot. And uh, the process of doing this EP was like, I'm trying to work as fast as possible. I'm trying to write as fast as possible. I would, we just recorded it on the floor, pretty much all of it, except for some, of the vocals but even some of the vocals are left from like the initial live takes and it's mostly uh well it's not first takes because we hadn't rehearsed it at all didn't really arrange the songs at all before we went into the studio so it's like everything happens everything that's there is like the first idea yeah and it's so different from mostly anything i worked on for the past 15 years you know and that is that it's really nice that that sort of translates to the feeling i was trying to convey because yeah i guess immediacy is something i was and also like the realness of a band playing together is it's something that you can't really recreate with modern sort of 
uh, layered productions. Yeah. And even though it is layered in some ways, it's like also very simplistic. Like the guitar sounds, it's usually two guitars. Like it's, they're not, there's not a lot of studio trickery to it at all. And I also mixed it like really fast. So it's, yeah, it's lo fi in a way, but it's, it's more like not enhanced reality. It's just, of course, everything is mediated though. <laughs> like yeah. a recording is always a mediation. It's not, it's not something that happens right there and then. So you're, you're always trying to, but I, I guess I was trying to mediate the immediacy of what went down. It's a heart overhead record, isn't it? This record is much more about yeah. your heart. Yeah, I think so. And that also comes down to the lyrics, I think like the lyrics of her 16 are they're kind of moronic in a way but i just i, I just decided to leave them there and it, it's also like the i think at that point i was like i was having this i hadn't been really been writing for a long time not music not lyrics and i think this ep it was recorded in 2017 so it's, it's quite a while ago yeah but i just had this like uh, I'm not trying to convince people I'm good, and it's <laughs> it's it's all right to like let the let the protagonist in the song be kind of, you know, we don't really say profound things all the time, and yeah. not every experience is a profound one. There are different approaches as well, and if you take someone like Bonnie there, like often, yeah. often you look at the, the lyrics in a literal way. And they don't make a lot of sense. Some sometimes they do, and sometimes there's things, you know, that might be yeah. found a bit. But but often, often sometimes he's creating words that don't exist because evidently for him it's more about the feel of the words. You know, I guess yeah. words as an instrument. So you've got two approaches. You've either got, you know, the sort of the Conor Oberst, Bob Dylan, the, the vocals are at the front, and the thing potentially that you're most focused on because they're, they're, they're crafted and they're or else you know perhaps the vocals are more of an instrument and they're more about evoking a feeling and I feel like the flight mode EP is more like I've listened to it loads but I feel like I'm not super familiar with the lyrics but that's also how okay. my that's also how my brain works because I'm not I'm quite music orientated Orient. yeah, yeah I'm just I'm, I'm naturally drawn to sound and, and music more than unless unless for unless for lyrics are really in your face but it's also that thing of like the the, the lyrics being musical and then having like a few lines pop out that yes. sort of give you that emotion and then the rest of them can just like be nice syllables or nice vowels yeah on a certain line it doesn't really have to make sense in order to like but if you just have that one lyric that pops out of the song and like gives you the right emotion i guess yeah and gives context to everything else all musically and lyrically that's worth a lot did you only record those four songs or did you record songs that you didn't use no we only recorded those four songs in four days i think in four days yeah my only criticism of a project is that you didn't make an album because it just it would be my album of a year and now it's just an ep and i don't and i, I can't i don't know how to like yeah contextualize that <laughs> maybe it's that's sort of the strength of it too though that it's like so sh 
condensed and short. I don't think I could make an album of 10 songs, especially with that sort of very strict concept. Because that to me would be like a rock opera sort of (laughs) (laughs) idea. Sounding great. Um, I think think in a way as well, I think it shows how much I genuinely like it because I I knew nothing about your other work. It's not like oh, this is an album from someone I already like and I'm kind of contextualizing it as part of their catalog. Um, yeah. I'm not thinking, oh, is this one of my albums of the year in in my head? Because it's just, it's like an, it's an EP and it was recorded sort of years ago and I don't really know anything about it. I don't, I mean, I collect, I love collecting records and like there's not yeah. a physical release of it so I don't have a vinyl. And so it's just, yeah. it's, it's almost, it's, it's very pure. It's like, I'm just listening to this because... I, I love it so much. And maybe that's part of the reason why. Yeah. It's a purity to it just because it it's it's so short and it's potentially a one-off. But actually, uh, we we did record a new EP off of the heels of, uh, of this. Like, we've played together twice, recording the first EP, and now record we recorded a new EP the on the same dates four years later no <laughs> so and i think it's gonna be like i don't know i i tend to conceptualize things a lot but it's just gonna be a different year a different place so that's sort of the continuation when's it coming out uh, i have no idea tell me you're not gonna sit on it for four years to yeah, I th- we we were we were joking about that, like uh, sitting on it for four years and then recording a new EP, yeah. and uh, then uh, having a record out in twenty twenty nine. That's our time frame right now. <laughs> oh man, how's it, how does it sound? Uh, the method of recording was just the same. Like we didn't rehearse; we just went to the studio, recorded it, and trying to capture that same sort of vibe and immediacy and. Um, it's it's hopefully a lot of the same sort of evokes the same kind of feeling, but I'm sure like I'm I'm now four years even older. Yeah, <laughs> it's also set in a different year, but it's not like the musical context of. I I think now it's more that the band sounds like the band sounds, and it's more of a uh, development on that yeah. from the last EP, uh, and I mean. We had no expectations for that at all, the first EP. And it's like, it's been kind of overwhelming that it gets the reception it does. I mean, it's not like it's a worldwide hit or anything, but it's like we're supposed to just release it on our own label. And just we thought like two, three hundred of our friends would hear it. And yeah, so that's, I mean, that's inspiring. Yeah. Are you a full time musician or are you working doing something else? 
Uh, I'm I work full time mu with music. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not a musician per se. Okay. I've been uh, much more in a producer role and like lately more songwriting and yeah. But I'm full time in music. Yeah. Thank you so much for doing this, and I really love EP, and I can't wait for the next one. Thanks a lot for having me, man. You're welcome. that's our show thanks as always to our guests whose opinions are their own thanks also this week to Anders Josephine Shine and Will at Sounders Language I'll be back in two weeks <laughs>